have every key the same. I mean, we're all different. What a what a wonderful illustration of the body of Christ, the church. They're like the 88 keys on a piano. No two Christians are alike. <laughs> As someone so aptly pointed out, if you and I were exactly alike, one of us isn't necessary. <laughs> Some of you are just getting that, yeah, you know. Yeah, God takes each one of us and puts us together as His family, the church. And when we are all in place and in tune, as we just saw and heard in this video, the result, it's beautiful. Isn't it? I could listen to Donna play all day. So exciting. So exciting. And she's not letting that wheelchair slow her down. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Keys on a piano. Folks, that's what we're talking about in this series of lessons on how to really love one another. As we're working our way through some of the key one another passages in the New Testament, we're learning how we, all the different keys, fit together and live together and work together. And our end objective is to sharpen our fellowship skills to the point that what the Apostle Paul said of the church in Thessalonica could also be said of Springville Naz. Your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Well, once again, let's begin today's lesson with the key underlying principle that's the foundation to our current series of lessons on the life purpose of fellowship. When you come into a personal relationship with Christ, you also come into a personal relationship with other Christians. Belonging to a local body or family of believers is as much a part of being a Christian as belonging to Christ Himself. So take your Bible and open with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. Toward the end of the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, it's on page 1872 if you're using one of the Pew Bibles. And if you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to take that lesson notes out of your program this morning so that you can uh, follow along, take a few notes, be an active listener as we study and learn together. How to really love one another. Past two Sundays, we've taken a closer look at what it means to be members of one another and to be devoted to one another from Romans chapter 12. Well, this morning, in a lesson I've entitled How to Encourage Those Who Are Down, we're going to zero in on yet another one another command repeated several times throughout the New Testament. One of those places is found in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11. So let's read this one out loud together. Would you read it with me? Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Don't miss those key phrases. Encourage one another and build each other up. That's the heart of today's lesson. Now before we work our way through today's text in Hebrews 10 and discover what it means to encourage one another, let's just stop right here and ask God to clearly speak to us this morning. So would you pray with me? Father God, 
Open our eyes that we could see. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we could understand. Most of all, open our hearts that we would receive the truth that You want to teach us this morning from Your Word. May we receive it in good fertile soil. May the seed be planted there and may it grow. Become a part of who we are. May this time together in Your Word be life-changing. We don't need more information. We need transformation, God. So change us, I pray, as we study together. That's the desire of our heart. And we pray that in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. How to really love one another? Well, let's begin our Bible study by reading through this entire text. And then we'll break it down verse by verse and phrase by phrase. So follow along in your Bible. I hope you have your Bible open there. Hebrews chapter 10. We pick it up with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful." And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Some great verses. Let's work our way through them together, shall we? We've got to take verses 19 through 22 together because it's one sentence. Did you notice that? <laughs> Whew, you've got to take a deep breath and read it. <laughs> Paul got some long sentences in, in the New Testament, let me tell you. And this happens to be one of them. Let's look at it again. Pick it up with verse 19. You following there in your Bible? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hmm. Notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase these same verses. The Living Bible. Now we may walk right into the very Holy of Holies where God is because of the blood of Jesus. This is the fresh new life-giving way which Christ has opened up for us by tearing the curtain, His human body, to let us into the holy presence of God. And since this great high priest of ours rules over God's household, let us go right into God Himself with true hearts fully trusting Him to receive us because we have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and because our bodies have been washed with pure water. The message. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, I like that, walk right up to God in the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of His sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain 
into God's presence as His body. So let's do it. Full of belief. Confident that we're presentable inside and out. So what's the writer of Hebrews saying here in these verses? Well, I think in a nutshell, before Christ, you see, the Old Covenant did not allow the Jews full access to God. God's presence was in the Holy of Holies or the most holy place inside the tabernacle and then the temple symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the Jewish high priest would enter through that thick veil or curtain into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant to make atonement for the sins of all of the people. However... When Christ died on the cross, the moment He died, you remember? The veil, the curtain was torn from top to bottom, symbolic of His body and blood opening the way for all people to have equal access to God. And so if individually we have by faith embraced Jesus' sacrifice, that is, we've made a personal commitment to Him as the forgiver and leader of our lives, then along with every other Christ follower, together we can call God our Father and with complete confidence we can approach Him without guilt, without shame. By the way, these phrases, our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, our bodies washed with pure water, are references, I believe, to the work of regeneration the Holy Spirit accomplishes through God's Word in and through us as a result of our faith. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. And of course, this cleansing or this washing within is beautifully portrayed without when we obey Christ in Christian baptism. That brings us to verse 23. Look at it then in your Bible. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. (laughs) Amen? Notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase verse 23. The Amplified. Let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it for He who promises reliable and faithful to His Word. Aren't you so glad? He is faithful. J.B. Phillips. In this confidence, let us hold on to the hope that we profess without the slightest hesitation for He is utterly Dependable. The Living Bible. Now we can look forward to the salvation God has promised us. There's no longer any room for doubt, and we can tell others that salvation is ours, for there is no question that He will do what He says. Simply put, I believe this is the essence of verse 23. Because Jesus has opened the way to God for us, and because we have accessed this salvation by faith, we can have confidence. We can know for certain that we are saved and that we will, in fact, spend eternity with God in heaven. This is the hope that we have here on this earth. A hope that will become a reality. We have God's Word on it. Amen? Well, three of you agreed with that. (laughs) Amen? Amen. That's a little better. Okay. Verse 24. Look at it there in your Bible again. 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Huh. What a great verse. Notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase it. The Amplified, let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. The message, I like this one. You, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Living Bible, in response to all He has done for us, Let us outdo each other. I like that. Let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and doing good. I think the bottom line of verse 24 is this. Motivated, you see, by all that Christ has done for us, as we just talked about in the preceding verses, has He opened the way for us? Motivated by all that Christ has done for us, we need to make every effort to... Look for creative ways to stimulate one another to put our love into action. We need to inspire and encourage each other to demonstrate Christian love in practical ways. We need to cheer each other on to helpful and practical and loving deeds. Which brings us then to verse 25. Look at it there in your Bible. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now again, notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase this same verse, the Living Bible. Let us not neglect our church meetings, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of His coming back is drawing near. The good news. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together regularly as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord is coming near. I think we could summarize verse 25 this way. We really, really, really need each other. I need you. You need me. We all need each other. Just as a charcoal briquette cannot stay hot unless it stays close to the other briquettes, so a Christian cannot stay on fire unless he or she stays close to other Christians. We need to connect regularly and consistently with one another. We need to build community. We need to relate deeply to each other as we talked about last week, especially in these last days. As Jesus' return is imminent. Man, those are some good verses. Wow. Well, that's a look at today's text, Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25, which leads us then to draw some conclusions. How to encourage those who are down? The focus of our lesson today is on the oft repeated injunction to encourage one another. Now, before I draw some specific conclusions from these verses that we just read, let me stop for a moment and let's just define this word 
encourage. Great word. Just a glance at our English word gives us a hint as to its meaning. En, meaning in or into. Plus courage, bravery or fortitude, equals to put courage into someone else. Isn't that interesting? Dictionary puts it this way. To inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. To animate, hearten, or to cheer on or up. Actually, the Greek word, which is used most often in the New Testament, is parakaleo. From para, meaning along or by the side of, plus kaleo, meaning to call. When you put the two together, the word simply means to call alongside of. Think about that for a minute. To encourage is to be called alongside of someone else. Great word picture. In its origins, it was a legal term actually used to describe a lawyer who was called alongside of a defendant to give him or her counsel and to speak on his or her behalf, to be an advocate for somebody else. Now, the full meaning of this Greek word comes to life when we consider that the Holy Spirit is called parakletos, the divine paraclete. Jesus Himself made it clear that the Holy Spirit's ministry to us is to be in us, to dwell in us. We are now the Holy of Holies. To walk alongside of us through every moment of our lives as a counselor, comforter, helper, advocate, encourager. So so here's the application. Don't miss this. What the Holy Spirit is to us, we are to be to one another. What the Holy Spirit is to us is our encourager walking alongside of us is what we are to be to each other. We're called alongside one another to be encouragers for each other. As Christians, we must intertwine our lives with each other in a mutual ministry of encouragement through counsel and comfort and help and advocacy. Now, with that word picture in mind then, Let's draw some conclusions from today's text. How are these verses that we've read this morning in Hebrews 10 relevant to Springville Church of the Nazarene right now, today? What are some specific ways that we can apply this command to encourage one another to our lives, both individually and congregationally? As we consider how to encourage those who are down, let me offer these four Conclusions. Number one, encouraging those who are down requires an infusion of God's Word. Encouraging one another requires an infusion of God's Word. Back to those two phrases at the end of Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 22. Our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us, our bodies washed with pure As I mentioned a little while ago, these are references to the work of regeneration which the Holy Spirit accomplishes through God's Word in and through us by faith. In fact, Ephesians 5 verses 25 and 26 explains this work this way. 
Let's read it out loud together. Would you read this with me? Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the Word. Don't miss that. The washing of water, what? Through the Word, yeah. Simply put, as Christ's body, the church... We are sanctified. We are made holy as a result of the Word at work in us. As the living Word of God, the Bible, is planted in our hearts and lives, and the Holy Spirit, who by the way inspired these words to begin with, you with me? The Holy Spirit then empowers or quickens the Word to accomplish God's purpose and plan in us. It shouldn't surprise us then to discover that the Bible is a powerful source of encouragement to those who are down. Just listen to a few Scriptures. Romans 15, verse 5. Everything that was written was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures... Do you see that? The encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. 1 Timothy 4, verse 3. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to encouraging and teaching. When we read Scripture, when we teach from God's Word, we encourage... But the source of that's the Word. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the Word, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. That's one of my prayers every Sunday as I preach the Word. Yeah, sometimes we need a little correction. Sometimes we need a little rebuking. But you know what? I hope when you leave here, you're encouraged. And I believe you will be because we're talking about God's Word. Titus 1, verse 9. Encourage others by sound doctrine. See, when we're teaching the truths of Scripture, we are encouraged. So what I want us to understand is that the Bible, God's Word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the divine paraclete, the encourager, is the, hear me, the primary source of encouragement. When somebody is down and we draw alongside them an aptly spoken or written verse or passage of Scripture can cleanse and wash away their discouragement like nothing else. And so we are called in this ministry of mutual encouragement, we are called to infuse the Word of God into the life of those that we're called alongside of. They don't need your opinion. They don't need a word from you. They need a word from God. And so as we are encouraging each other, I urge you, would you please use Scripture? Write out a Scripture passage and give it to somebody or speak that that Scripture passage over somebody's life. Because it's the Word. The Bible. That's the primary source of our encouragement. 
Does that make sense? Okay. So first, encouraging those who are down requires an infusion of God's Word. Number two, encouraging those who are down requires the inspiration of God's reward. The inspiration of God's reward. Once again, Hebrews 10 verse 23 urges us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. Huh? And what is, by the way, the hope that we profess? It's the hope of our salvation. The confident assurance that we will in fact spend eternity with God in heaven. Now back in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, the writer of Hebrews put it this way, God cannot tell lies, and so His promises can never be changed. I love that. His promises should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. Man, I love those two verses. See, here's the point. Why do we get down in the first place? You ever thought about that? It's because we get overwhelmed by our present circumstances. Right? That's because we are wallowing around in the muck and the mire of life. And we put our focus downward on this world and all that is happening around us and to us. So, then, how do we cheer one another up? We remind each other of our future circumstances. We raise one another's focus upward to heaven and what is going to happen to us. We instill in each other the hope of our eternal reward in heaven. And like the writer of Hebrews says, this hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. I love that. No matter what the storms of life may bring, this hope inspires us to just keep on keeping on. So, when you are called alongside somebody to help encourage them because they're down, yeah, you speak a word of Scripture. We talked about that, infusing the Word of God. But you also make sure that you help them to get their eyes off all the crud around them. And quit focusing on this life as though this life is all that there is, because it's not. And to get their focus upward to heaven once again, get your eyes off of all of this stuff down here and lift your eyes to heaven, to God, because that's where your hope is, and that hope is an anchor. And that's how we inspire hope. That's how we encourage each other. By reminding one another of God's reward. Which, by the way, is secure. Right? Yeah. We can count on Him. He's not going to let us down. Good stuff. So encouraging one another... Those who are down requires the inspiration of God's reward. Number three, encouraging those who are down requires the incarnation of God's love. The incarnation of God's love. Let me explain. 
Hebrews 10, verse 24 instructs us to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know what a spur is? Yeah, we're in cowboy country here, right? Get on a horse. What happens when you dig that spur into the horse's side? Now, sometimes I think the horse, if he could talk to you, would probably say, Ouch! Okay, 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 I'll get going. But sometimes we need to spur each other. Isn't that interesting? In other words, we need to look for ways to be inventive and demonstrating God's love to others through our own actions and inspiring them to do that love. That's what I mean by the incarnation. By the way of God's love. That, that word incarnation, that, is that you understand what that word is? That means to become flesh. Jesus uh, was God incarnate. He became flesh. God in the flesh. And we are to become love in the flesh. We are to flesh out God's love in our lives. His love needs to come to life in us and through us in our works and our deeds. To cut to the bottom line, we need to quit talking about encouraging each other and we need to get busy encouraging each other. As Nike says, I have a hard time saying Nike because it's Nikkei. As Nikkei says, just do it, yeah. (laughs) Just do it. Let's read Hebrews 3 and verse 13 out loud together. This is a good one. Let's read it with me. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Oh, now I'm going to spur you a little bit here, okay? Oh, we are so full of good intentions. I need to write so-and-so a letter. I need to send them a card. You know, I really ought to call so-and-so. They just need to hear from me. I, I should go see him or her. I'll I'll do that tomorrow. (laughs) Isn't that what we say? Yeah. Come on. We're procrastinators, every one of us. I'd procrastinate if I could ever get around to it. Got to think about that one for a minute, don't you? (laughs) We're good about putting stuff off. I love what he says here. (laughs) Encourage one another daily, not weekly. Daily. Every day. As long as it is called (laughs) today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not, oh, sometime I ought to do that. No, today, before the day is over. If you need to draw alongside somebody who's down, if you need to encourage somebody by infusing God's Word into them and reminding of the the hope that they have, then do it today, not tomorrow. Man, that spur hurts. Incarnating. Being the incarnation of God's love now. So third, 
Encouraging those who are down requires the incarnation of God's love. Number four, encouraging those who are down requires the interaction of God's people. The interaction of God's people. That ought to be self-explanatory. But once again, Hebrews 10 and verse 25 exhorts us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Now perhaps it seems a little too logical for me to even mention this, but since the writer of Hebrews does, I will too. That to encourage one another, for mutual encouragement to take place, then Christ's followers need to interact with one another. The writer of Hebrews actually suggests right here that there are some believers who have made it a habit not to connect with other believers. Now, quite frankly, I think that just means they're inconsistent in their Sunday worship attendance. They're not participating in a small group Bible study or serving alongside others in ministry or coming to our monthly potlucks or taking advantage of other opportunities like guess who's coming to dinner to connect with other believers face to face. So, answer me this. How can we encourage one another if we're never face to face to interact with each other? Can't happen. The Apostle Paul explained the value of this interaction this way. Romans 1 and verses 11 and 12. I love these couple of verses. I want you to notice this is Paul's heart. Listen to what he says here. I long to see you because I want to interact with you. That you and I, listen to this, may both be cheered and encouraged when we meet together. I by your faith and you by mine. And so we've got to be looking for ways to interact with each other every opportunity we get. Because encouragement can't take place unless we're together, really. We've got to take the initiative. We've got to get creative. As I said earlier, we've got to be inventive in finding ways to connect with each other outside of the context of Sunday morning. Oh yeah, we love to shake hands and greet each other. You guys are a mob. <laughs> But quite frankly, I mean, that's fun. I love it. It's a part of who we are as a church and we will continue to encourage that. But it's it's not really where fellowship takes place here. Like I said last week, we're here for God. He's the audience. That's why we're here on Sunday mornings. To worship Him and to hear from Him. Fellowship's really going to take place out of the context of Sunday morning when you're staring at the back of somebody else's head. (laughs) So fourth, encouraging those who are down requires the interaction of God's people. Four conclusions from today's study, Hebrews 10, 19-25. Four applications of what it means to encourage one another. Four requirements for encouraging those who are down. It all begins with an infusion of God's Word. Sharing Scripture as the primary source of encouragement. Whatever you do, when you are called alongside somebody who's down to encourage them, infuse their life with Scripture. And then there's the inspiration of God's reward. 
helping one another stay focused on our hope in heaven, not on the stuff that's happening in and around us and to us, but on the stuff that's going to happen. <laughs> the hope that we have. And then there must be the incarnation of God's love. Putting love into action. Fleshing it out. By encouraging somebody today, not tomorrow. Today. And that requires the interaction of God's people. Intentionally getting connected face-to-face with other believers every chance we get. Now all of that brings us to a time of decision. How to really love one another. This morning we have taken a closer look at Hebrews 10, 19-25 and how to encourage those who are down. As we wrap it up, I want to challenge you to join me in completing a little homework in response to today's lesson. So see your lesson notes there? I've got some things for you to do. I'm going to do them too, so join me in this. Three things to do. All begins with a self-evaluation exercise. I do that every Sunday. So take some time later today if possible while this lesson is still fresh on your mind and reread today's text, Hebrews 10, 19-25 and review those four conclusions from today's lesson and use the following questions for self-evaluation. Follow along. I just want to read through these. Do I usually share Scripture when I try to encourage others? How can I do a better job of writing or speaking Bible verses as I draw alongside those who are down? Second question, how often do I help others focus on the hope of heaven? What are some steps I can take to inspire people with this confidence and assurance? Thirdly, is God's love incarnated in me as I reach out to those who are discouraged? With whom do I need to demonstrate this love right now, today? And how will I do so before today is over? And then finally, how am I currently regularly interacting with other believers face to face? What intentional steps could I take to better connect with others here in the church? Spend some time reflecting on that. And then secondly, I want you to notice I suggested a character study there. In the book of Acts, we meet a man named Joseph who was nicknamed Barnabas, literally son of encouragement. He was given this nickname by the apostles for a reason because every time he shows up in Scripture, he's drawn alongside somebody to encourage them. So I want to encourage you, I want to spur you, to take some time to study Barnabas' example in the passages I've listed there in the book of Acts and look for some principles to apply to your own life. I mean, what better way to learn how to be an encourager than from the son of encouragement? If you want to be a son or a daughter of encouragement, well, here's a good example. And then finally, notice this last homework assignment. Guess who's coming to dinner? Inserted in today's program is a flyer about our two dinners on May 15th and 22nd. You can either host a dinner in your home or you can go to a dinner in another home or you can even host one Sunday and go to dinner the next Sunday if you want to do both. But the point is, here is an incredible opportunity for us to connect face-to-face with other believers right here at Springville NAS. You can reserve your place to participate in this important fellowship opportunity by completing the bottom of that flyer and dropping it in the offering bag in just a few moments. So this is when you're supposed to be going. (laughs) Writing out your information because you're going to participate. I mean, why would you not take advantage of this opportunity for fellowship? 
You drop that in the offering bag, Luann will be getting in touch with you to answer any questions and to let you know some further details about those dinners. Karen and I are going to participate. I wouldn't miss it. Come join us. All right, enough said there. Let's close today's lesson. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Let's read it out loud together. This time from J.B. Phillips, because I really like the way he says it. Let's read this together. Let us not, as some choose to do, miss any opportunity to get together with our local church family. Let us do all that we possibly can to encourage one another's faith. Jesus is coming soon, so this ministry of encouraging one another is all the more urgent.